This is the MyHeart.net podcast. This show is produced by Dr. Philip Johnson in conjunction with VitalEngine.com. Please welcome your host, Dr. Elaine Bouchard, a cardiology specialist of Birmingham, Alabama, at St. Vincent's Medical Center, part of Ascension. Well, here we are. We're back with Dr. Louis Berrer from the Montreal Heart Institute. And again, we're, we're discussing dementia prevention in patients with heart disease. So, so let's say I'm, I'm, a, um, I'm a patient. Actually, I'm a patient of Dr. Junot, you know, my very good friend, Martin Junot. I had a heart yeah. attack and I had a stent and, and I'm referred, you know, to you. And um, I'd like for you to kind of take me through, um, you know, going to the Heart Institute, going to EPIC, and kind of discuss a little bit what is, what is a multi-domain intervention uh, to reduce the cogn- cognitive deficits and dementia. What, what, what does the patient experience? And uh, see if you could, you know, make me live through some of the protocol that, that you're doing currently at EPIC. Yeah, so EPIC is this uh, rehab center associated with the Montreal Heart Institute. So basically, it's a different building. It looks like a big, big gym with a pool and, and you know, like, you know, pretty much like you could see in all big organizations that have the chance to have one of those rehab centers. So we have... We have basketball court and... Yeah, uh, big basketball, badminton court. Uh, there's also a... a a cafeteria and a restaurant down there nearby the the, the lockers the lockers, uh, so that it's also a, it's, it's an environment like just five thousand people roughly going there. Uh, Three thousand people would be like members that register by themselves because they believe that having a preventive lifestyle will help them, or because they had family history of you know vascular disease, and roughly one thousand five hundred members are patients from the Montreal Heart Institute that had a procedure at some point, heart surgery or, you know, some sort of intervention. And they've been referred to uh, EPIC by the hospital. Uh, and EPIC would offer them a cardiac rehab program of a few months for free. After that, if they want to follow this, you know, type of program, they're going to become member. So we're lucky to have this huge pool of participants that are very interacting with us. One, one thing I should say is that we're not there just to, uh, you know, do research with these patients. We really listen to them. We, you know, I would give public talk to them or on a regular basis, basis every year and stick in the room half an hour to listen to them and ask them, what, what do you like? What, what, what would be your new, new, new gig? You know, uh, and uh, one guy told me the other day, you know, I've just started yoga. Why don't you study yoga? And so guess what? I'm going to launch a study on yoga very soon because, you know, so it's a real, it's a real, I'd say it's a real ecological interaction between members, patients, researchers, and clinicians. So we're very lucky to have this, this setup. And, um, and uh, what we're trying to do right now is to try to see if on top of the classical cardiac rehab program, having a more, comprehensive intervention, what we call multi-domain intervention, will help patients to uh, reduce the kind of deficits that they typically show when they have cardiac uh, disease. Uh, you know, not all of them would show that, but roughly 40 to 50% of patients with cardiac uh, disease do have some sort of cognitive deficits. Sometimes it doesn't impact their daily life, but it, it show up on clinical tests. So it's something that you can actually measure and you can actually uh, assessed very easily. 
Some of them would complain about that. So we're trying to to see if combining these intervention of exercise as prescribed by the contact we have, but also more comprehensive exercise, not just aerobic exercise, but also strength training, flexibility exercise, uh, topped with cognitive stimulation. Uh, for example, uh, you know, playing some sort of game on an iPad that would improve your speed of processing and speed of uh, decision-making, um, attention, uh, teaching them memory strategies, for example. Uh, mnemotechnic tricks so that they can help, you know, maintain, uh, we can help them maintain information in memory in a more efficient way. And typically our program will involve at least three times a week of these interventions, whereby they're going to come in the gym, spend half an hour with a student or a research assistant doing kinds of training, and then go to the gym for their session. So they will do both type of intervention three times a week. Of course, we coach them as well. So that's a social environment that we're offering them. And those who do the cardiac rehab program also have, you know, the medical follow-up that's typical of people with cardiac rehab. And we believe that having this added component of cognitive simulation uh, will have a synergistic way of improving cognition better than just doing exercise uh, on its own. Um, so that's pretty much the story about the uh, multi-domain intervention we're doing with patients that have cardiovascular risk factor or those that have um, heart failure, for example. Um, and of course, the program can be different depending on the you know uh, illness. For example, if you know the cardiovascular risk factor patients will be followed more than a year. Uh, with patients with heart failure, we're trying to do shorter program, three to six months, to try to see if we have a, an effect. Uh, and and uh, the other thing that I should say, it's uh, those are individualized programs, so that it's really developed based on the baseline of the patients in any domain. So uh, it's cost uh, costly. It's it's uh, it's energy demanding for both the patients and the inter and and uh, the team that uh, that that's doing the intervention. But that's what we know is the way to go if we want to see improvement. Now, this is uh, COVID time, of course, and, and I know in our office, uh, we've been doing a lot of telemedicine. I'm sure the gym was closed for a while um, at, at the Heart Institute. Is it reopened now? Or are you doing kind of a mix of, um, uh, com you know, work at home as well as, um, you know, um, design program at, in the gym at, the, at Epic? Or Yeah, definitely. We uh, were it like anybody in the world by the COVID situation. So, uh we closed on uh, March the 13th, if I, my memory is good, uh, or, or around that date. And so all the program were stopped. Um, what we're trying to do right now, we, we're planning to reopen uh, partly in August and eventually with more pay people uh, on site in September. Uh, we're hoping to uh, reopen the studies and relaunch the study and have people doing maybe not full-time in the gym, but maybe half time you know would like maybe to have them like once in once a week in the gym and the other uh, session being done in in uh, remote at home um what we did though though is really early in the game in march um we launched we didn't want to change the trials that they were because you know you, you never know there's a lot of involvement in this there's a lot of money involved and patients are engaged as well so and as anybody else, we didn't know about COVID, you know, are we going to be stuck in this for three months or three years? Uh, so we kind of put the studies on hold. But in parallel to that, uh, I have a few postdocs uh, that 
gathered together and came up with this idea of launching the whole thing on, online. So, um, and, and, and in the same time, the EPIC Center, the, the clinical team of the EPIC Center and the kinesiologists were developing um, programs on capsule, YouTube capsule, capsule. So we have a YouTube channel right now from EPIC. Uh, and uh, they posted, I think it's something like 50, if not more, 50 capsules of exercise training intervention some of which would be geared towards intervention, aerobic training, stretching, uh, some for patients with cardiovascular risk factors, some more, uh, you know, uh, targeting more specifically people with heart failure, for example. So adapted to uh, all the groups that we had already. Uh, so uh, Valérie Guilbeault, the, the, the head of the kinesiologist, was extremely efficient in a few weeks, they started to develop that. So when I heard that, I was like, okay, my postdoc wants to do online training. The, uh, the, the whole kinesiologist uh, sorry, team is launching these video capsules. Why don't we start just this mixed multi-domain intervention at home? And within a few weeks, everything was up and running. So uh, I'm lucky to, to have this wonderful team of researchers with me. And, and we launched uh, in April the study that we called COVIPIC. Uh, which is the training at home of the multi-domain intervention. So, uh, and we didn't do it, you know, there's multiple ways to do stuff at home. You can be fully robotic and, and very virtual, you know, or as we thought would be more efficient because we're dealing with older adults that like that are used at Epic to have a very strong social interaction, we decided to mix it so that we have a personal contact with them. We have a student or a research trainee calling every one of these guys every week just to, you know, to update, you know, what's going on. Uh, did you do your training capsule? How did it go? Did you do your kind of training? How did it go? Sometimes it's 10 minutes call just to, you know, people would say, oh, yeah, everything's fine. Just, you know, perfectly done. Some other people would need a little bit more social interaction and, and, and encouragement, I would say. Uh, so that we we don't do it just remote, but also, I mean, it's remote, of course, but we're trying to incorporate to it the social interaction that we believe is extremely important in intervention studies. And, and there's more study right now showing that social interaction as itself has an impact on cognition in older adults. Just re-socializing, reconnecting with people uh, would have an impact. So could be added as a third domain, extremely important, uh, not just for motivation. Of course, it comes with motivation. We all know that doing sport with friends, you know, would push it a little bit more. But also by itself, cognition, when you think about social interaction, it's an extremely complex cognitive uh, engagement, right? Um, and if you don't believe me, just go pick up a, a fight with your wife. You will see that your brain is working hard trying to find arguments and, and, and response. And, you know, so I mean, I try not I, to do that. well, not to, <laughs> let's try not to do that. Of course. My I'm, own health. <laughs> yeah. 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 I'm, I'm, ma I'm making the point so that you remember, but yeah. you know, <laughs> I guess what I'm trying to say is that social interaction is extremely important for brain function. And the reverse is also true as people become more lonely and, and, you know, extract themselves from the social network, they start to show cognitive decline. Now, again, we don't, we don't know what, what comes first, right? Is this because at some point they feel these cognitive deficits that they will, you know, 
you know, kind of uh, interact a little bit less? Or is it because the social isolation has an impact on brain function? This is still a matter of debate, but I think that everybody will, ag will agree that it goes together. So, you know, we're trying to incorporate that in our intervention, making sure that it's not just going to the gym as rat running on a wheel, but it's also, you know, interacting with people and, and, and combining it in a way that your brain is, is stimulated to the, to the best you can do. You know? Certainly, that's one of the reasons why my son loves the Peloton, is you can exercise and compete with people all around the world, you know, all <laughs> on, on the cloud. Uh, have you started some uh, Zoom classes of, um, you know, having, you know, several, you know, people on Zoom uh, doing their kind of a cardiac rehab activity together with like... Well, uh, actually, we're using Zoom to... Uh, to uh, the, we're using Zoom for the intervention itself, you know. Uh, we don't do it for training right now. The fitness training, would, would, we ask them to follow capsules. But we do the testing with Zoom, though. So we can do functional testing, cognitive testing as well uh, with Zoom. Um, and that's pretty much a recommendation anyway for us right now in Quebec is to reduce uh, contact, social contact the most we can. So, oh, That's great, great effort. And certainly uh, all of us have had some cabin fever and isolation, not good for prevention of dementia right now. And no. we really need to interact with one another. Well, uh, Louis, uh, let's move a little bit into your, your research. Obviously, you're very active in, in research and um, see if you could uh, discuss maybe with us uh, the program that you have, the impact of exercise and cognitive training on neurocognitive function in, adult in adults with cardiovascular risk factors on cognition and vasoreactivity in patients, men and women, with heart failure. Yeah. So, uh, so the, the, the whole research program is around how can you do non-pharmaceutical intervention, you know, so just lifestyle intervention that would have a real impact on cognition here and now. Of course, uh, we're not pretending that we're going to make sure you'll never develop dementia. This is not something we can guarantee. But what thing, one thing that we know... Uh, and, and all clinicians know that is that that you know the uh, postponing cognitive deficit is the key, right? The, the latest you start showing cognitive deficit, the longest you will you will live without dementia. That's the key. So we're trying to boost cognition, so to speak. Of course, in a way that's going to uh, be maintained for a while if we can. Uh, and the first way to do that is cognitive stimulation. So we're trying to uh, hit where cognition start to uh, fade off, so to speak, which is speed of processing, executive function, which in many studies start uh, way before memory deficits occur, you know, um, sometimes five to 10 years before you have a memory deficit, you have slowing of processing, you have uh, inattention, you have an inability to do multiple uh, tasks at the same time. Uh, all these controlled process or executive control functions are extremely sensitive to age and any type of situation actually, um, but especially to age. So we're trying to develop uh, programs that will help stimulate and maybe maintain these functions as long as we can. Uh, to this, we add uh, physical exercise intervention that includes a heavy load of aerobic exercise, but also a major 
portion of the whole program is strength training exercise, as we know, as an impact on brain function and, and, and cognition in general. Uh, we also, as I said earlier, try to do it in a way that the patient is surrounded in the program. So there's a social connection with the team. And one of the things that I do a lot as a researcher is make sure that my uh, staff is dealing with my patients as clients. And, you know, they're, they're customers. Like you, you want them to be happy. Uh, and, and of course, because they give a lot of their time to research, but also because, you know, ethically speaking, we want to make a difference, you know, and we want them to maintain this lifestyle. Uh, so we're not the only group doing that. Of course, there's many groups in the world doing this. Uh, one of the, and, and many would do that in healthy patient or patient with cognitive impairment or dementia. One of the peculiarity of our group is we do it as well with patients with cardiovascular disease and cardiac disease. And uh, I don't think there's many group out there doing uh, intervention that targets cognition with these patients. Um, my argument to, uh, to sell this to uh, the clinician and the cardiologist is always to say, you know, at the end, when patients are leaving your office, you don't know if they're going to take their medication, right? But if you want them to be able to take their medication, they have to not forget to take their medication and to plan and to take the right decision and to engage in the program. So their brain is key, right? If they don't use their brain properly, their heart will suffer. So it's a, it's a two-way two -way direction, two-way street between heart and brain. And we know that heart disease impact the brain, but if you have a, some brain deficits, you're not going to be able to help your, your heart as well. So it's really the way I'm trying to, uh, to sell this story to uh, all the clinicians I'm working with. And um, so far, so good. I mean, we've been uh, sponsored by, uh, we've been founded by the Canadian Institute of Health and many other organizations to run these studies and trying to see if in heart patients, these type of intervention will help prevent cognitive deficits and help prevent them to develop dementia because we know that they are the patients that have the very, very high risk to develop dementia. There's another big um, consortium that you're involved with and um, I wanted to see maybe if you could discuss the role and impact of this Canadian consortium on neurodegenerative changes in aging. Yeah, the CCNA uh, is the uh, Canadian uh, net. Well, the Canadian Consortium on Neurodegeneration and Aging is uh, extremely important in Canada. It's been running since I would say roughly around 2012 or 2013. Um, it's been uh, led by Howard Chutko, who was previously at McGill University, is now at the Baycrest Center uh, uh, in Toronto, and um, so uh, Dr. Chutko has been running this huge consortium that involves more than 300, if not 250 uh, researcher in Canada uh, with many, many teams and, and, and group of researchers looking at different aspects of dementia that comes from, that goes from, you know, uh, biomarkers of dementia, the genetic of dementia and all the, you know, very fancy uh, aspect of medical sciences, but also all the lifestyle intervention as well and the social dimension of dementia as well. And it's really grouped around uh, the primary prevention, secondary prevention, and tertiary prevention. So that how you manage the disease as well and, and increase and maintain quality of life in patients and caregivers in the context of dementia. That's a fantastic initiative. initiative uh, as 
many other large initiatives uh, in the world, it's going to pay off on the long run. And we believe that it's going to make a huge difference. And right now, uh, I would say that pretty much all Canadian researchers involved in the field are working with CCNA, and we're hoping to make a big difference. That's terrific. Um, hopefully, we can find a little more information. I've been asking uh, Louis to write a little article in myheart.net, and, and maybe we could uh, help link um, you know, to these uh, associations as well as to some of the research that you're uh, conducting. I think we should really um, dedicate this podcast to, um, you know, um, all of our patients and, 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 the fa- and their family members with dementia. It's a very difficult problem. You know, my mom was 89 years old, uh, has dementia. And, um, you know, my sister, uh, Diane, is actually a judge in Montreal, and she's, she's the caregiver. And it's really difficult, you know, to kind of really manage uh, patients. It's hard on the family and the caregivers as well. And you have also a little bit the same story, you know, with your mom, you know, having, um, uh, and your grandmother, I think, having had, you know, problem mm-hmm. with dementia. And that's, um, you know, it's really not easy. And the research that you're doing is so important and can make, I think, a lot of difference uh, now and, and in the future with the years to come. So for this, I want to thank you, Dr. Louis Berrer from the Montreal Heart Institute. And um, can't wait to... Um, uh, connect some more on some of the development that you get with the years to come. Thank you. It was my pleasure to be with you uh, for this podcast. Thank you very much. Thank you. To learn more from our team of cardiologists, please visit us at myheart.net. You can also follow us on social media by searching myheart.net on Facebook and Twitter. And be sure to subscribe to this podcast so you don't miss our next episode.